Episode 52, Hey Love Podcast. I left the church pretty angry. When I came back into the church, as I began to understand warfare and that my heart was in a war, it helped me to explain. I mean, it helped to explain to me a lot about why my life felt so disappointing and unfulfilling. And I began to really understand and have some tools to fight back and start to take my life back. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging you, the reflective woman, in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces through the grid of God's grace. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey Love, have you heard the saying, vulnerability is the new brave? Well, I learned what that meant firsthand in my Celebrate Recovery group a few years ago. I had been part of a few different such groups, but CR, I feel, is is one that consistently keeps you centered on the gospel. And while it's not exactly a Bible study, it certainly does make a girl want to dig deeper into the teachings of Jesus and his followers. I happened to meet today's guest, Lee Chesney, in a CR group I was in a little while ago. There was not a lemon in that bunch, but I felt especially drawn to Lee. We don't get to see each other now nearly as often as we used to, which was every week. But I think the bond that you form with some sojourners is not easily broken, especially when you're involved in something like CR together. Lee and I liken the recovery process to wading into deeper waters, being wooed and coaxed all the way by the Spirit of God. Are you familiar with Celebrate Recovery? If not, it's something that I think every human can benefit from. We've all got something we're recovering from, you know? Celebrate Recovery, there's a bunch of them all over the nation. And I think all over the world. I'm pretty sure it's crossed the waters, crossed the ponds. You know, typically in a recovery group like CR, you don't really talk about other people. You especially don't use their last names. But Lee gave me permission to share that I was in a group with her. So we're cool on that. (laughs) But anonymity is a big thing. And it's something that we both take very seriously. I'm glad she made an exception this time. Relationships have been key in Lee's recovery as she has processed through her eating disorder and body image and self-worth issues. It's all about community for her, as it has been for me. As you know, codependency and self-worth were my biggies. But I do talk today about my own eating disorder, too. Of course, I never knew to call it that back in the day. Lee talks about her realization that there is a real battle going on in the spiritual realm and how being awakened to that, um, it really has strengthened her faith in Christ. As she was telling me about her favorite Bible study, I thought, this is so wild that one study has had such an impact on so many women and set them free from different types of bondage. I bet you can guess which one she says is her favorite. Out of all the women I've interviewed over the last couple of years, I'd say half of them, maybe a third, say this study is their favorite. It's their number one. It's amazing. Lee shares her philosophy on being present in the moment, which she calls when-then syndrome. I think it's a great adage to live by in the new year. She's going to explain that in a minute. Lee's answer to the soul care question, what do you do to encourage yourself? 
Ah, the way she answers that question rings of a rare kind of healing and freedom that is so inspired. And it makes me crave cheesecake in a big way. Lee kicks us off talking about the loneliness she felt as an only child in her family. You're going to appreciate her honesty. Meet my friend, Lee Chesney. Yes, um, it was actually, this is one, this is my most, I'm most challenged by this question. I, um, most of my memories growing up are of myself with other adults. And um, playing was just not, it, I spent a lot of time in my head. But I think as I listened to adults talk and um, what they were, they were talking about their lives, what was going on with them. And I just kind of went into this place in my mind. I just kind of crawled up there and imagined, you know, all this beauty and adventure and mystery that would be my life one day. So most of my play, what I think of as play as a child, was just this sort of um, place that I stayed in my imagination, kind of a daydreaming place. Huh. So that's because there wasn't really anyone to play with. I had a cousin who I was close to close to an age and so we did spend some time together but then she her mom married a man who was in the military so she moved out of the country. Oh wow. And so yeah. So it was a lot of time just kind of on my own. Hmm. Yeah. And earlier you told me before we actually started recording that <clears throat> it was difficult for you to even bring up a memory. From your childhood. Yeah, you had said paint a picture. Your question was paint a picture of your childhood. And I thought, the details of that are really hard for me to Mm. to really get specific like that and paint a picture. It was the first question, and I thought, what? I can't. That's really a challenge for me. So I'm kind of stuck. The details of of that time in my life are a little bit foggy. Well, I appreciate that honesty because I know there's a listener out there who can relate to that. Yeah. That will really resonate with someone. Mm. And I myself had trouble remembering memories from my childhood. Yeah. Now I do have memories, but I remember feeling like so foggy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I yeah, think they that's come telling. Back. Have they come back? Slowly or all at yeah. once, just kind of yeah. You know, trickling. I feel like in in all my recovery and healing, Jesus has been such a gentleman with me, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's always been really in layers and just so much and no further for now. This is good for now, and then we'll handle the rest later. <laughs> and I've never felt any pressure to right. dive into deeper waters with right. Him that I didn't feel comfortable, with. and He's. Hold, holding my hand the whole time. So mm-hmm. why would I not? I Definitely. Mean, and, well, I mean, in recovery for me, it's been, once you look mm-hmm. into Jesus' eyes, how can you not feel safe? Oh, that's a beautiful way to put that. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? It's yeah. like he's just kind of, I feel like he's been standing in the deeper water facing me as I'm on the shore mm-hmm. with his arms like, stretched come, out come going, on, come on, baby. Yeah, right. A little bit deeper. Let's yeah. go into the four feet. You now or five feet. You, you know, just like it. we do with our kids. <laughs> right. And that's Absolutely. what recovery has been for yeah. me. I would agree. I like that analogy. Yeah. And I would agree with that. that and it is a very, it's a wooing and a coaxing and it's yeah. gentle. Yeah. Wooing and coaxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's totally relational like that. Yeah. Can you describe a room in your house that's your favorite now? 
actually, this has just recently become my favorite. Um, we painted our bedroom. This It was a really dark, I wanted it to be dark and cozy initially, so I painted it this really dark green. And um, so last fall, I just decided that is, is just dark in here, and it's kind of, kind of a downer. So mm-hmm. we came in and painted it this really pretty shade of lavender, which I was <gasps> kind of like, is this... This is kind of little girl. Oh. But the interesting thing about that is that in this recovery process, it's kind of coming to a place where I am a little girl with him. Where it's just so, so it was a sweet way to tie that in. As I kind of had that realization as I was painting, I was thinking, gosh, this kind of look, I've got a seven year old daughter, and and her Mm. room is purple. But it's a different kind of purple. It's a more <laughs> candy kind of color, shade, tone, you know. Mm. So this is a more, a little more grown up, but still has this youthful quality to it in a bright place. And it's a, a bright room now. And How so beautiful. I mean, I brought in a leather chair and that's where I've been doing my, my quiet time in the morning. And so I sit there and I have that quiet time and I'll find myself gravitating back there throughout the day. If I'm at home and getting overwhelmed, I go back and sit in that chair and just close my eyes you know my story is is I used to use food to cope eating food issues and uh, body image issues are really my biggest struggle and the biggest thing that brought me into recovery and so now instead of eating through that numbing that uh, uncomfortable feeling with food I just go sit in my chair and just kind of close my eyes and try to sift through that you know wow what a change it's a huge change huge change so that and that that room that has become the place where I most where we have most experience of his presence and his peace. And so, hands down. Lovely. <laughs> Favorite room in the house. No so question. So cool. Yeah. Well, and the lavender, you know, I don't know if you do essential oils, but lavender is one of the most calming oils. Oh, I do. I, you know, I hadn't essences. put that together, but yeah, yeah, I did know that. And the color that I'm picturing is, is a subdued mm-hmm. sort of, um, just a calm. It really I is. It really is. The idea of painting that room. Right. Who was one woman who helped shape your character, Lee? Well, I have had, I've been blessed to to really have a lot of women in my life that have shaped my character. I've got really two strong grandmother figures and a wonderful mother. But really, who most came comes to mind when you ask me this question is a woman who started out in recovery as my sponsor and has really now just become a dear friend, um... God just brought this woman into my life who was able to just speak such um, hope and truth and just peace into a season that was so difficult. And um, she helped me understand that I didn't just have to survive that period, that it was really a time that God was calling me to thrive and to learn and to go into the pain of that, of this season and just come out more than a conqueror, you know, with with plunder, you know, with gifts. And it has been such a, such a, to have her, I mean, I'm just not sure what it would look like had she not been Mm. put in my path. I I have a feeling it would have been a very different outcome. So, Mm. um, just, just so grateful. They either wouldn't have changed or it was going to spiral out, out mm. and get worse. So it was wow. either way, not neither of those things would be good outcomes. So now mm. I feel like just to come out on the other side of that difficult season with really gifts um, is, I think astonishing is not too strong a word. It just kind of mm. blows my mind when I look back on it. 
Um, the resources that I've gotten from recovery and in those resources, I'm including her and the community that comes with recovery. I, I just don't know how I would do life without those things anymore. So you would say that relationship has been really key in that healing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I do not, like I said, I, I don't know what this would have looked like without that. You, you had asked about sistering mm-hmm. in your... Yeah, the carpentry term. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I I got into that term. So I of course Have googled it? it. I found it, and it would just explain the carpentry term and how the weak joist becomes stronger with a piece on either side. Isn't and I was that just cool? like, "Whoa, I love we, that we, so I much." I first heard that when we were um, building the house. Yeah, I ran upon that term, and I thought, "Isn't it interesting?" They call it sistering. So amazing. So cool. I love that. And yeah, so when I looked it up, I was like, oh my goodness, that's the most interesting thing. And it kind of it made me think about this. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's just so much emphasis put in our culture these days on being brave. And that's Mm. both inside and outside, being brave and strong. And that's both Mm. inside and outside the church. I see that. And I think sometimes I'm just, I've wondered if we aren't just buying into a concept, this this concept of bravery or strength, that we don't quite understand. We like the idea of it, but we don't quite understand exactly what that is. Mm. And because there's quite a bit of shame for me initially coming into recovery of not being able to figure this out on my own. I come from a people who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Yep. And we get it done. And um, so there's quite a bit of shame in coming in and admitting, huh, this actually isn't going so well on my own. And I'm going to need some help here. <laughs> I, didn't want to, I didn't want to admit that. And so it was but coming in, to me, like the whole idea of bravery and strength has really gotten flipped on its head. Mm. It's now the bravery, the, the what I see as brave and strong yes. now is this vulnerability, this ability to reach out and awesome. talk to people, like that is scary and crazy brave to do it. When you get out there and you say, okay, I'm going to have to admit that this is too much for me and I need help. The courage that it takes to say that, to pick up the phone, to reach out to somebody, like that's bravery to me. And it's kind of a, just a, a paradigm shift. It's mm-hmm. what it, just changing the way that we look at this thing that we're where we take a lot of the prestige, I just think when we, we when we look at being brave in the world, it just what do we think of? We think of you know warriors and conquerors and people that go out and just you know I don't know what's your idea of bravery just before recovery? What would you think of? Yeah, I think of uh, Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those <laughs> traditional Braveheart. roles of, yeah. of strength and totally. And it's not that. It's just like the gospel. You know, it's like everything's kind of upside down and inside out. And strength, right. upside being brave, down kingdom. Yeah. yeah, it's just really going. Oh man, I am, I am, I am weak. And but but we are strong when we are weak, mm. and and we know that now. Yeah, it gives him room to shine. Yeah, the strength. Yeah. I, re- I do remember one Easter, maybe two or three years ago, I remember sitting in church listening to a sermon about Jesus and all that he went through and thinking, Jesus, you were so brave. Yeah. Not just for, you know, being beaten right. almost to death and then crucified to death, but um, the willingness that he had to have to come down here in the first place, mm-hmm. to be willing to come leave his throne, leave the comfort and 
extraordinary, inexplicable beauty that mm-hmm. had to be in heaven. I can't imagine what his view was like from his throne. And then to come here knowing that we were going to betray him and right. beat him and kill him. Mm-hmm. Even more than that, to be in a position where the father was going to turn his face away from him. Mm-hmm. That was so brave. Right. He totally made himself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And even in the garden when he hung his head low and said, Daddy, is there another way? I mean, the humanness right. in Jesus was even feeling weak in that moment. Absolutely. He was fully God, but he was fully human too. And so the vulnerability, like you said, it is, it's so different from what I always thought. I always thought vulnerability was weak. Right. But now I see it as, oh, he was a champion. He was. Look how strong and brave that was. He came and showed us how it's to be done, didn't he? (laughs) Absolutely. In such a loving, kind, humble way. Gentle way, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. What do you hope that a friend might say at your funeral? (laughs) (laughs) That always brings the room down. Okay, well, you know, it's it's funny. I have never thought about this before, but truly, what I think... I would like people to remember me most as doing as just being available. Um, someone who is generous with her time is, and, and that coming from a person who struggles a bit with codependency, that's, I, I need to um, put this in there that it would not come from a sense of obligation or duty, but because I was just willing to have my daily schedule be open to God's leading. Um, because that's a new thing for me. I, I am a, I used to call myself an efficiency expert. And so I would stand, literally stand in the shower, mapping out the way I could get most done, the most done in a day. If I, if I start on this side of town and do this, this, and this, I can make my way back. It was, I I really got a thrill out of that. And so to, to that, so I've taken my, um, itinerary and, and surrendered that. And I do mm. that every day. So that, and I always have one, you know, I just mm. can't get away from that totally. <laughs> it's just well, you know what? I can't relate to that, but I, I always wish that I had a little bit more Martha in my Mary. So, <laughs> and I need I a, quite a bit more Mary. Isn't Martha. that funny? Yeah. But we're all so, trying to come back to the center. Right, which, right. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, I just would like to be remembered as somebody who was available when when they needed to be, who was willing to have that schedule just tweaked and shifted, and just, um, just so that I'm open to be used in what big or small way, whatever comes across my path for that day. That's really that's important to me because I know that so much I've missed so much by mm-hmm. plowing on through, sticking to my own agenda has caused me to miss a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to miss I don't want to miss those little things anymore because I'll that's just that's a great right way this. to look at it because I mean I would think that the fear that propelled the itinerary controlling was. I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. But you're saying that you feel like you did miss things. By the very, by doing the very thing. That, wow. Right. I would agree with that. And I really hadn't thought about it like that. But I, perspective. I would agree. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Available. What is your favorite Bible study of all time? Well, I have to admit, I have not done a lot of Bible studies. I left the church pretty angry in high school, and I did not come back to the church for until I was pregnant with my first child. So I... Mm. I have really only been back as an adult who would be, do, you know, at the age of 
most people do Bible studies as an adult. I get, well, I guess there are some kids that do it too, but mm-hmm. that I was not one of those. And mm-hmm. so, um, when I came back into the church, it was, I've been back about eight years and, uh, the one that I, it, hands down, easily my favorite is Breaking Free by Beth Moore, oh, yeah. which I've done twice. And Love that one. Yeah, it's a good one. And it came across my path during a time when I was just beginning to come with terms with this, with this, with the profound influence of Satan's lies, mm. of his lies in my life. And the spiritual battle that was just, that is raging all around us. I mean, I was just absolutely captivated with the idea, with the concept of spiritual warfare. Hmm. And it helped me to explain, I mean, it helped to explain to me a lot about why my life felt so disappointing and unfulfilling. And as I began to understand warfare and that, um, and that my heart was in a war, I began to really understand and have some tools to fight back and start to take my life back. And so that, that study is just really, oh, I, it's got a special a place in my heart. For I'm, I'd like to do it again. I actually was just talking to somebody the other day about starting starting it and just going through it. It's a it's an intense one. It's a good oh, yeah. one. I remember that. Yeah, but I think, you know, we could all stand to do that. Probably stand to do Breaking Free every two or three oh, years. Yeah. Well, I have one that's kind of like that one, Gospel Transformation. Oh, I've heard of that one. I've done that one now five times. Have you really? I have. Oh, maybe I should do that one And next. I think, you know, that's the kind. It's it's kind of like a breaking free yeah. in that um, every year I do it, it's it's somewhat different right? because it's fluid. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are different life circumstances naturally every year in my life. So it's like the Word being alive and active. Not that this Bible study is the Bible, but mm-hmm. I feel like I learn new applications every time. Oh, that's great. But I could see doing Break a Free like that, too. It, it may be like that. Yeah. I, have, I did it twice during that season, or it may have been three times during that one season where I was just like, wow, this yeah. is good stuff. But I haven't done it since I've been through. Now it might be interesting to go back with some different tools and right. some different resources and see what's Whole there. Whole new perspective. Yeah. And what you said about doing Bible studies as an adult, you know, I came to the church late in life. I grew up Hindu, and when I um, joined the staff of the youth group at my church, it was basically so I could learn the Bible, because these sermons that I heard on Sunday mornings were so over my head. I was like, I have no idea (laughs) who Jacob is and why you keep talking about Abraham, and you know, all these names were just foreign Mm. It was a different language. So I thought, well, if I help with the youth group, maybe I can learn some of these stories. So I'd come in so overzealous about some story I read, (laughs) and these kids would look up at me. There were some eighth and ninth graders, and the girls were just like, oh, Miss Carthy, you are so dramatic. (laughs) We've heard the story of Noah for. Oh, Ten years, it's yeah. you know, it's nothing to them to hear yeah. these stories, and I was but just was fresh so for blown you. Away. Oh, that's listen so sweet. to this, you guys! <laughs> I was so overzealous. So that was, yeah. I remember thinking, this is, there's just nothing like this. This Bible is just amazing. It is. It really is, and it's so nice when somebody's coming into it for the first time. <laughs> I did hear all those stories as a child, but I had you know a lot of it. Just having a different perspective as an adult, you just don't realize how rich the richness oh, of nobody those. can make those stories up. No, that is really good Isn't that true? stuff in there. Yeah, tell me what drew you back to the church. You said that you had been away for a while. Um, so 
probably, I'm, I'm guessing, I had been married about 10 years. And so what I noticed is that I was kind of getting to a point where um, something had to give. I, I had really, and it was before I really understood what had happened. And, and what had happened was that I had just really, I had fallen, I, I had a head full of lies. And I just had taken them and taken myself into isolation. And I was just letting those lies grow and um, given really nurturing them in a lot of ways. And so... What did that look like? That looked like... Um, so my issue is food. So as I began, I spent years and years and years starving. And there was a, a safety in the star. There's a sense of safety in the starving. There is comfort in the starving. But something happened. You know, I just could, it wasn't sustainable for me. So I was very, very thin throughout all of my college years. And I just didn't eat very much. But then wow. it was like a switch flipped. And so... It, it was right. It was right around the time I was getting married, and and I went from one end of the extreme to the other, which mm. looked like binge. It was like it was binge eating, and it was um, just going to a place where I just felt like I was almost making up for lost time. Wow! And so in that place was just as you can imagine, a lot of shame, and my scales became this sort of instrument of torture because I used to get on it, and I would if the number was. Oh. A, the right number, if it was appropriate, if it was the one I deemed um, acceptable, mm. uh, I, I was, and that's what that's where the safety was. So as I watched that number climb, I began to feel really um, unworthy and mm. really began to hate myself. And so I began to use that the, my scales as this sort of instrument of torture. And oh. the mirror became wow. this place where I would just look at myself and. Um, just almost like penance like I would just look at look and look in the mirror and just just it would be proof that I was just a failure as a woman and so that's what nurturing the lies look like for me it was just taking myself to this place of well I don't deserve happiness I don't deserve a good life because I can't get myself together Mm -hmm. I can't do this simple thing that I used to be able to do which was control every bike that went into my mouth and so it really was a spiral that Mm -hmm. started and it because I continued to gain and I continued to move into more and more isolation and more and more really self-loathing and probably at the in the darkest time I had actually gotten to the point where I was experiencing anxiety if I left my house I was starting to feel afraid to drive so I knew it was coming to a point where something was going to have to give like I was reaching a bottom and that's when I started to to really sense a wooing back from out in that funny kind of out of nowhere and a lot of that came in the decision Adam my husband and I had um talked a lot about not having children and that came I think from my sense of unworthiness and I thought oh I can't I can't even get myself together much less you know Mm -hmm. raise a child so we really talked a lot about not having children but it was like I knew that window was closing. Mm. And so around 35, I just kind of got to a place where the only explanation I have for it is it was just a completely divinely inspired leap of faith, which was totally uncharacteristic of me at that time to just go ahead and just go ahead and do it. And, um, and I, I know that was God. And I wasn't talking to him much at that time at all. But it, that had to be God because I was going to have to gain weight. 
Mm. <laughs> that was really scary. To get pregnant. Yeah. I was going to have to gain weight like on purpose. Like that was going to happen. Wow. And so more weight. It's like, it wasn't like I already hadn't gained weight. I was going to have to gain more weight. And so in that place, just kind of t- taking that leap and saying, I'm pretty sure we're going to regret it if we don't. And so mm. let's go ahead and do this. And we did. And it was no problem. It happened immediately. And then in raising, we decided, we, we made the decision, okay, we, we know that we want, because my husband was raised in the church too. We had just both taken a very long break. <laughs> <laughs> years long and so but we both felt an obligation I guess would be the best way to describe it to raise our daughter in the church so which is then we so started cool looking. and I heard the wooing I sensed that as a child I do remember um sitting in church I remember extending that invitation to Jesus Aww. as a little girl seven or eight but I also remember feeling like not much changed as a result of that invitation mm-hmm. so I didn't, you didn't I was have just, any follow up not really. I, I just kind of thought. I thought it was well. You know, I think the the term personal savior mm. was. I think I misunderstood it. I think I thought that meant it was supposed to be really private. Like, oh, that's <laughs> personal. Funny. So I don't remember telling anyone I did that. <gasps> oh. So yeah, there. Which would have been a really good thing to do. <laughs> I might have had some follow up then. <laughs> But we were in church every but week, and I is, just... You know, that's a seven-year-old using yeah. seven-year-old reasoning and taking things literally. Yeah. Yeah, so looking that back makes at... sense. Right. I'm pretty Aww. sure that's where I kind of thought, oh, that's a personal thing. But, Aww. yeah. No, I, it just really didn't... And from there, just going moving into middle school years and high school years, and the, oh. that's when the food stuff really started to kick in, too. Mm. So that's where... It, you know, Satan was really getting his hooks in in those years of mm. uh, and keeping making sure I think that there was no follow up and that nothing wow. nothing took root there because he had wow. he had a lot, he had a pretty firm grip by the time I left high school mm. on this this scales thing this weight thing that he was going to use profoundly later on in my life. It's amazing you broke free from that. You know, it is. I, I, I count myself among <sighs> the. The few, and I, and I really want to just talk about it every chance I get because I, I see it everywhere. I, I really hear a lot of so many women talk about food issues and wow. body image issues, and it's just prevalent in our society, you know, in the world. Well, I didn't see it as a food issue, and now I look back and think, wow, what else could it be? But I would come home from a date. And if the guy treated me like a lady mm. and he opened the doors and he was a gentleman, I would go home and eat an entire cheesecake. Mm. And think of where we had to be emotionally. Like for me to be able to, mm-hmm. I, I could have even, I could have told you, yeah, I ate an entire cheesecake when I got home last mm-hmm. night after my day because I felt unworthy mm-hmm. of being treated that well. Oh. I knew. I knew yeah. that's what it was. Unworthy of being treated that well. So you had to come home and punish yourself with food. Right. I had to come home and punish myself. Yeah. It just didn't feel right. Yeah. And it's interesting the way the food can be used as comfort. or But see, there's a very fine line between the comfort, where the comfort crosses into punishment. Wow. And it's it's a a slippery, slippery slope. Yeah. Man. Using food as a weapon. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Against yourself and others, you know. We think... As food people, I think often it's easy to say, this is not affecting anybody but me. Right. But it's it's a big deal for our families wow. because it does take us into isolation. 
because so much of our lives is around food you know community is often what do we do we go eat it's so true yeah wow well there are so many questions i I mean i'm getting so much out of this what do you wish you could tell the 25 year old version of yourself about relationships well there are so many things i don't think my 25 year old self would listen but what I would love to tell her is that in a couple of things, in my attempt to make my husband my savior, mm. that I, I would be robbing us both mm. of the joy that comes from the actual, from our one true savior. Uh. Because I really did that for a long time. And I think he did the same thing. We're pretty, we've got a lot of, lot of codependent stuff going on. And so I see... I see, looking back, I can see that we both just hung all of our hopes and dreams on the other. Mm. And it was pretty unfulfilling, would be the word, because it's just not what we're meant to do. Um, Mm. It's not how we're meant to live. And then the the other thing I would tell my 25-year-old self would be, um, I I spent a lot of time in this, and I've kind of touched on it earlier, um, this, I call it the when-then syndrome, like when... I graduate high school, Mm. then life starts or Mm. when I get this great job, then I'll be happy. So, and it's just a, it just goes on and on and on to the next. And you spend years of your life just in limbo. Yeah. And so what I would like to tell her is that regardless of whether or not we are participating in our lives, they are unfolding. Like Mm. they are happening. Like it is just going on. So if you think that it hasn't started yet, Oh, oh so good. just just wake up. <laughs> Great word. Wake up. You know, because I just spent so many years waiting for the good stuff, waiting for things to happen and just waiting for I don't even know what. Sometimes it wasn't even an unable thing. It was just getting into this place where okay, now, now this is where I'm supposed to be. Now life is happening and I mean Life was happening while I was waiting. While I was waiting for it to start, it was happening, and I was missing it. So if Mm. I could tell her anything, I would tell her to just show up, Mm. you know, engage, because it's already already started. Your life is already in progress. That is so (laughs) good. I wish I would have heard those words 20 years ago myself. Yeah. Describe your relationship with yourself, and specifically, what do you do? to encourage Lee? So I love this question because (laughs) the answer is so different than it would have been just a couple of years ago. In a lot of ways, I'm in a season of really just getting reacquainted with myself. Mm. Um, I think when we live in isolation, it really hinders our ability to see ourselves clearly. Mm -hmm. So the way I imagine community to work is that each person that we are in authentic community with um, sort of offers us like a kind of mirror to kind of hold up and they help us see ourselves more clearly yeah and what I have so enjoyed in that process is like a lot of the things that people have shown me that they see in me I never would have seen for myself so in community like I'm discovering little facets about myself in fact some of them have been totally opposite what I thought was true of me hmm and that's like, been like one tell us one thing. Well, one one big one that's kind of been a recurring theme is I always felt like I had a really tough time articulating my thoughts. A really tough time being understood. I always felt like I was confusing. To, you're a great communicator. Well that's see, you're doing it. You're mirroring back to me what 
I what I hear when I ever when I guess that you thought that. And that and is interesting. And it's been so re- such a redemptive experience to hear that. And it, you know what it does? It draws me out more. It's it, when I hear that I think, oh, enough people are telling me that that maybe it's true. And so <laughs> I go further into that, and I have more to say, and I will talk more. And so it, it wow. just kind of draws us out. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just this process. I love the process of getting to know myself. And your question of what specifically I do is um, it's a lot of different things. I, I I make jewelry. That's kind of my creative outlet. Mm. I, I read books. And I've kind of started just – it's all different. What it is, it's all different versions of being still is what it mm. really is. It's just different. It looks different, but it's lots and lots of being still. And to me, that's just – so that is soul care for me, just figuring out how to be still and quiet and get my thought. Uh, my thoughts are just, oh my goodness, they're all over the place usually. So it's just kind of reining all that in and getting centered and being still. And my absolute favorite thing to do for soul care because of my food issues is, and I do this, I try to do it once a week. Sometimes I do it more than once a week. And that is get a big dessert and just and a cup of coffee and just go somewhere, you know, in a restaurant or something and just kind of sit and eat it and not feel the the beauty of that is that I can't remember before recovery. I can't remember eating anything and, and that's healthy or unhealthy without a lot of voices in my head, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of fear. But now like I can go have a I can go have the biggest piece of cheesecake you have ever seen and eat every <laughs> bite of it and feel only gratitude and pleasure. Aww. And it is, it is such, um, it abundant complete living. Complete yeah. turnaround. Yeah. Complete. And what I hear you saying is before it was done in isolation and shame yes. and hiding. And as and punishment. Now, as a punishment. And now you can sit in a restaurant with other people. In the light. And eat and enjoy and just, it does. It feels like the richness of it. <laughs> and I mean that, like the richness of it, of the dessert, of the but the richness of the yeah. experience is beautiful and just healing. And mm. there is just nothing like it. And I, it's such a little thing, you know, but like mm. that is, that is for me, just that it feels like abundant living yeah. in, in a way that nothing else does. Just eating. Lovely. Can you uh, tell me about your jewelry? Is it something you're into selling? Uh, do you sell jewelry? I have thought about opening up a little Etsy shop or something. I only have, I, I do it really, I, I w- I'm afraid that might put pressure on it and make it kind of not fun. Uh-huh. So, but I may do it. I may at some point, but usually it's some little scripture or something or some. How wonderful. Yeah. It's something that I've just like, ooh. Do you ever. Do you ever feel like I? I remember thinking specifically. I just I love that verse so much. I just want it on my person. Like yes, I have. <laughs> I want to wear that piece. In fact, so I, I do have that. an idea that I want to talk to you oh, about good. after we're done recording here. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, but I don't want it to feel like pressure, so I'm trying to figure out if you can help me design something. Okay. And we could hire some hands to actually implement and carry out cool, the that thing sounds... I'm envis- envisioning. Then that could be really fun. Yes, it could be really so fun. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I think as long as I'm having fun, it won't be pressure. You know, I just nice. I love I love the concept of wearing the word, and that's yeah. just something that I have really. I feel like there's a lot of power in it too. I had um, made a. I will make bracelets or necklaces for specific things mm. to go into like you know if something is going to be intimidating for me mm. i will make a bracelet for it to really? help me remember how cool yeah it's so it's, what like with a scripture verse on it mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Awesome. Because and a lot of times you can hold, like if I make the necklace, necklaces are usually long enough that I had a meeting I had to go to. It was a little, it was going to be a little bit, a little bit intimidating. And I had it under, I held that thing under the table. I <laughs> like, love it. It's kind of so like yeah. smooth stone. Yeah, or it is kind of like that. We're just hanging on to it where you really Such are. Such a great way to take care of yourself. Yeah. And this tangible thing that you can hold in your so hand. So cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. We got to talk. <laughs> can you tell me the last book you read? I don't, you know what? I, I start lots of books. I don't know that I finish them. I have like five on my, on my book stand too. and I can't seem to get any of them finished. Oh, one right now I, I'm just really into is intuitive eating. It's just about a whole different path that I feel like I'm going down with my, with yeah. my eating recovery. And then, um, Oh, a friend sent me an excerpt out of another book called Bold Love that I've got Dan to Ellender. get. Yes. Love that. So I only read two pages from this little text and I'm like, Oh, I'm getting that book. Oh yeah. It it's was, I loved it. I've been sitting there looking at these two pages, just trying to take it all in because it was so deep and yeah. so good. He is that deep, like oh, where you can only take yeah. two pages and then put the book down yeah. and process it and digest it and yeah. then come back to it another day. Yeah. <laughs> it's that good. Yes, it is. There's so many, like, it's like, I can't, I can't get enough of it. You know, <laughs> I just can't get them all fit in, but probably my, fa- my favorite one has been the John Eldridge books and the Waking the Dead is probably my favorite of those of his that I've read so far. And that's, it's just kind of introduced me to the concept spiritual of, warfare. yeah, more of the spiritual warfare thing. Yeah. I, I'm just captivated by that whole concept. It's just mm. fascinating to me. So neat. Mm-hmm. Share a recent redemption story. You, you kind of did do that. I have done that. And I've had a lot lately. I think the thing about the, yeah, it's like you get a little recovery or you get a little, you start to get some momentum and it seems like God just gives you more, like we're going to work on this area now and now we're yep. going to work on this area. And so um, I, I shared earlier that it's been a difficult fall. Fall was specifically a, a difficult season for us. And so um, really had to do a lot of heart work and explore a lot of forgiveness in our marriage on both sides we had some some deep hurt and some deep resentment and so as we went into that I had to kind of look at amends as we call it in recovery or yeah. forgiveness yep and go deep into that in a way that I really hadn't done before and mm-hmm. so that I really love what came out of that process and there's a lot of healing I feel like the forgiveness that goes into these stories of redemption, the, that part of our stories, where we went in this difficult season was in a place of really exploring the idea of forgiveness. And you know that expression, to, to err is human, to forgive oh, yeah. divine. Like, I just believe mm. that's true in such a literal mm-hmm. way that it's just a divine process that we cannot do. You hear people say, well, I'm just not ready to forgive. Or, mm. And I just don't think we ever are, are we? Good if point. anything ever violates this internal sense of justice that we all have, like, We'll, we'll never in our flesh be ready to forgive. So mm. it's almost like, what a blessing to forgive because we get to partner so closely with God. Mm. And that's where I feel like I've landed on this. And so we, we forgive because we are supernaturally empowered to do so. Mm. And it's just oh, how lucky I am to get to forgive, how blessed I am to, to be oh, able yeah. to do that because I know it's not something I'm doing on my own. I could never. Mm. I could never. And he could never. So It's a supernatural thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. When is the last time you felt joy from head to toe? Okay. This was 
this was, <laughs> it's funny because um, I had the opportunity to share my testimony uh, for the first time ever at Celebrate Recovery, at my Celebrate Recovery group at my church. And this thing had been on the calendar for months. And so in the days leading up to it, of course, I got really nervous because I have zero experience speaking in front of, I have not so much as given a toast at a wedding. Wow. So it was terrifying. And so I stood up. So it was time for me to, like, we'd gone through worship and I could just feel myself. My hands were sweaty. My mouth had no saliva. I was just going, <laughs> oh, Lord, please get me through this. You've, you've got to do it because I can't. Aww. But I stood up and I start, after I read for a couple of minutes, I, I realized I was actually pretty comfortable. Aww. And the more I shared and the deeper I went into my story, the clearer it became to me that I'm really passionate in, in the sharing of this part of my life because so many women struggle with it. And I wow. thought, well, I wonder if this could be, maybe this really could be helpful for someone. And in that realization, I was thinking in that moment, so cool. what is this foreign feeling that <laughs> I have? <laughs> What is this feeling? This isn't nervousness. This isn't nervousness. And later on, it came to me that it was was joy in the sharing of that experience. The day I gave that testimony, I had had gone shopping for a card for someone at Lifeway, and and this verse just jumped off this. It was a gift bag where I saw this verse. And it just jumped off the bag at me, and it said, it's a verse from Esther. It says, perhaps you have come to your royal position for a time such as this. Mm. And in that verse, I heard such a calling. And that can actually make me emotional because, because at that moment, I kind of thought, you know, Maybe all those years spent in isolation and all that pain, maybe it was all not for nothing. Maybe it was mm. for this moment, just like Esther's moment. And I just thought, mm. okay. I just kind of thought, let's do this. Beautiful. <laughs> let's do this. Because it was a joy. It was a joy to share something that it just offers somebody. I just picture it just like throwing somebody a lifeline. Like, oh. And I've seen that healing in talking to women and sitting across from them and saying, hey, this is where I've been. This is what I've struggled with them. And I can just see the relief and the, oh, just the, just the weight lift when, when they yeah. just hear somebody say, hey, me too. Oh, yeah. the most important word yeah. for a woman. It's so affirming. So, yeah. so you had a sense of joy and purpose, yeah. it sounds like. I mean, all, you know, when you're, you're recounting all those years yeah. of pain and isolation and suffering. Right. You can see now how God really does work all of that, not just for His glory, but for your good. For your good, yeah. I mean, you're yeah. healed. Right. You're with, not where you're going to be when you're in heaven, right. walking the streets of gold hand in hand with Jesus yet. But this side of heaven, we can experience mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And wholeness. I think we kind of get to an earthly kind of promised land. Beth Moore talks about that, I think, in the Breaking Free study, where we get, Ooh. we have a promised land in heaven. Of course, that's what the, the big picture is. But, but here, in this life, we also have the um, option to go to our promised land here and to live in that place of our our true authentic self of our true calling not being afraid to to speak our truth and that's it really it's brought such a like like I said before a richness and a sense of adventure to mm. my life that I had not I'd always kind of dreamed about but I wasn't sure what that was supposed to look like you know yeah. it's kind of like what we talked about 
earlier with the bravery Brave. and the strength. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So the adventure, I thought it meant that I was supposed to go. I mean, I thought I was going to be a missionary. I thought I was going to join the Peace Corps. Well, no, not exactly. But I find myself on a very real mission field, as it turns out. Um, Absolutely. Just right where I stand. And so that's there's a lot of adventure in that and a lot of a lot of beauty. So it's it's great. Awesome. Yeah. What are you working on right now? This is a bonus question. <laughs> yeah. I don't you know, I kind of have gotten to I'm really not sure what's next. I, I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm finishing up. I'm, I'm leading a study this time, the step study this time. Um, and it's celebrate recovery and celebrate recovery. And so I'm kind of talking to God about that. I'm kind of asking him, I don't know what's next. Do I stay in recovery as a leader? Do I, do I explore other options? I have gotten so much healing from this ministry. I, I'm, I'm open to staying. I'm open to go. I'm kind of open to whatever, wherever mm. I land. I don't know. I really would love to see, and it's one, I don't know if you remember, but it's one of our questions in that very last week is, what are three things you would like to do going forward? And one of those things is for me just kind of uh, figuring out some way to touch, talk to women, touch base with women, sort of just get in front of women, I guess, that that are struggling, that know that they're struggling with eating and uh, body image issues and just start talking, you know, just start a conversation. And I'm not really sure what that's going to look like or if that's the plan, but, but well, and it's so selfless because I know that in your earlier story about your origins, you would have been much more comfortable to not do this. Absolutely. And now here you are and your motives are, to help the other woman. That's right. And I, it seems to me that the, about the only way to do this, I went from diet to diet to diet, just trying to fix the problem, the physical problem, the food problem. Symptoms, yeah. The symptoms, yes. But now, but as it turns out, I think this is the cure. Like, this wow. is the deal. We got to talk about this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's scary. Talking about, it's kind of taboo, and you don't, and it's admitting in a lot of ways it looks like, like we talked about, it looks like if you don't have the right perspective, admitting defeat somehow. But that's just not not what it is. As it turns out, this is this is where there is so much healing for us is in the conversations about it. This is where there's life, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely, right. Lee, thank you so much. No, this was my... a feast. What a pleasure! So, yes, so I've good. enjoyed it so much. Thank you. You know, love, we hear this theme over and over as we talk to people. Community is key, not just in recovery from an addiction or a habit or hang-up, but but like Lee said, relationships are key in finding out how you're gifted, too. You know, we all have spiritual gifts, or gifts from the Spirit, as one of my pastors says, and we're all called to use those gifts. Each of us has a calling, a ministry that we're called to. Yes, you. And, you know, when I say calling, all that means is that you're invited to use the thing you're good at for your good and the good of others, and that brings glory to God. That's the thing that makes people go, ah, yes, there is a God. There must be a God. He must be good, and I want to know Him. If you don't know what your gift is or your calling or your ministry is, I want to challenge you to go to a close friend. Go to one person and ask them to tell you honestly what your gifting is. Now, this is not to say that other people's opinions matter more than what God says, but when you consider the fact that He does speak through His people, 
Well, that makes sense. That's one of the way he talks to us, you know? So ask that person. And I know this takes vulnerability, which is what we talked about. I want to encourage you, take on his bravery. You can do it. Go ask that person, what do you see as my spiritual gift? my gift from the Spirit. And if it makes you feel better, love, you can offer to tell them what you see as their gifting too. There are spiritual gift inventories that you can take online, but do ask a friend first. I just think that human element is getting to be kind of an often overlooked treasure, you know? That statement that Lee made, to err is human, to forgive divine, I think that was Shakespeare, I'm pretty sure, wasn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's so true what she says about it being a supernatural thing, a miracle. It reminds me of another thing that the same pastor says. It's Eric Hoffman, and I find myself quoting him all the time on here. Eric is the one who helped me reframe spiritual gifts as gifts from the Spirit, and also he's the one who helped me redefine what supernatural means. When somebody's hurt you or crossed that line, it's a supernatural thing when you forgive them. Nothing less than that. If you want to hear more from Eric on that subject, he is back on episode 18. Go grab that and we'll wait right here. Actually, I'll link to it in the notes so you don't have to remember it while you're running around returning things. All those bags in your hands. Lee has done a lot of heart work. In the interview, she confesses the fear that she experienced as she spoke to a group of people. And now, since the recording of this interview, she has become one of the leaders in that very ministry she was talking about. And she now actually stands in front of the larger co-ed group regularly and takes great joy in it. I was on the phone with Lee the other day, and I was thinking, this girl is on fire. She has been experiencing her earthly promised land in every sense of the word, from what I see and hear in her voice. But she wanted me to be clear on this one thing. When she talks about her promised land, that in no way means that she's arrived or is like done with all her recovery work. Not at all. In a way, we're all in some kind of process of recovery all our lives because we're still here till we get to the ultimate promised land, really. But the concept of promised land does have profound applications in our earthly lives, even now, as Beth Moore says. By the way, the study where she expounds on this idea of promised land is actually found in the study called Believing God. Lee updated me on this. It's the one that came right after Breaking Free. We'll link to both studies, Breaking Free and Believe in God. Both of those have just been so life-changing for me as well as Lee, and apparently every other woman who breathes. (laughs) Here is another quote from Beth's Believe in God study. In essence, your promised land is the place where you're abiding in Christ. You're living out what He's called you to do, and there your theology merges with your reality. Those of you who remember the five-statement pledge of faith from Believing God, say it with me. God is who He says He is. God can do what He says He can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's Word is alive and active in me. Good job. Hey, we get another review. Oh, you guys are responding to my songs. You're doing it. You're leaving reviews. Probably so you don't have to listen to me sing anymore. (laughs) So funny. Take it away, Blair. 
We're going. I probably should read this. This review is by Batik7394. Batik or Batik? I think it's Batik. Batik. Batik7394. Purposeful and meaningful. Carthy does a wonderful job ushering thoughtful conversation with her guests. She creates a lovely balance between the guest having time to articulate their thoughts and herself engaging in the conversation with a relevant and smooth flow. The transparency and vulnerability opens a door for connection, not only between her and the guest, but for the listener as well. Aw, that's nice. That's very nice. Why can't I ever say nice things like that? Good job, Ada. Well, that's it for now. Write me on Instagram or Facebook. Stay in touch. Hey, we'll see you next year. It's going to be season four. Woohoo! Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. I feel like the forgiveness that goes into these stories of redemption, the, that part of our stories. Am I answering this question? Absolutely. I I Am I? Okay. I'm like, <laughs> wait, so did cute. I just go off on a tangent?